What is a biblical definition of patriarchy? These churches that record worship albums, if they've been in a scandal, should we sing their songs? And does style of music matter? The answers when we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible teaching podcast that we may be wise to the way of the word so that we won't be fooled by the ways of this world. Tell your friends about our ministry and to visit www.utt.com. Here once again is Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. So let me ask you this. Uh Uh-huh. What is patriarchy? I knew it was coming. (laughs) I just knew it. Um, Okay, so patriarchy as explained biblically or by the world. <laughs> since since so that's the way two you started, there are two different answers to this. Right, that's the way you introduced the program: being right? wise to the ways of the word. Yes, way of the word, way of the word. So we won't be fooled by the ways of this world. Right. So give me the biblical definition of just give me the straight up definition of patriarchy. Okay, there is one ruler and submission. Yeah, literally the word means father rule. Yeah, patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, one one ruler, everyone else submits to that ruler. Mm-hmm. So in the home, it would be the man who is the head of the household, the husband or the father. And that's what we have in Scripture. So Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, almost every time I read that passage, or I quote it online to Hmm. some degree, there's always some sort of contention or argument. Ah, don't forget verse 21. Mm -hmm. You didn't read that one first, which says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But that does not mean that a husband submits to the wife. Mm -hmm. That isn't what it means. And that's never stated. Husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church does not mean husbands submit to your wives because Christ does not submit to the church. Right. That's true. The statement that Jesus made in Mark that the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many Mm -hmm. should not be understood as for the son of man came to submit to the church. Yeah. Serve is not submission. Correct. The king. They're different. Right. The the king can serve his servants Mm -hmm. because he is setting an example to his servants. Right. That doesn't mean that the king submits to his servants. Right. He's still the ruler. 
But so, in today's society, they want to say that that's not fair. Well, they, they, they want to say that, mm-hmm. that a woman has that every is. bit as right uh, to have the ruling authority as the man does. That's what, that's what the culture wants to say. It, well, yes, but what I was referring to was the, specifically the king with the servants. Oh, yes, servants. right. The king with, right. Yeah, yeah there, there, there's this Nick general. on words. <laughs> <laughs> a quarrel over words, which Paul yeah. says don't get into. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, there's this general attitude in the culture, too, uh, to just disrespect authority. Oh, yeah. Big time. I mean, that was that was being promoted whenever I was young with music. And it seemed to be everywhere when I was little, even in the cartoons. You know, it doesn't matter what your father or mother say. You can go run off. And as long as you're doing the right thing for you, it's OK. Yeah. Just do what's best for you. Follow your heart. Yeah. Yeah. It started, obviously, before my generation. Yeah, it really just, goes. Yeah, it goes back to the 1960s with yeah. do whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. do what feels best to you. That's when the sexual revolution began. Yeah, was back in the 60s. But uh, yeah, and it's through that revolution, the rise of feminism, things of that nature, that you have this down with the patriarchy mm. sort of attitude that yeah. has happened in the culture. But the patriarchy is created by God, mm-hmm. which is why the culture rebels against it. Because this is the way that the Lord has structured the home. And likewise, the church is supposed to operate in the same way. Since the position of pastor is supposed to be filled by a man, mm-hmm. which we talked about that last week on the broadcast. But where we have in Ephesians 5.21, it being said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then you have wives submit to your own husbands. Husbands love your wives. This is not an example of husbands submitting to the wife. What you have after submit to one another out of reverence for Christ is three examples of submission. Wives to husband, mm-hmm. children to parents, right. slaves to masters. Mm-hmm. But then you have uh, the ones who are being submitted to must also submit. The husband must submit to Christ. Yep. The parents must submit to Christ. Christ. <laughs> the yep. master must submit to Christ. Christ. Mm. So these pictures of submission are uh, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, verse 21. And then when it says, wives, submit to your own husbands, that verse is actually borrowing submit from the previous verse. Mm. Verse 22 doesn't have the word submit in it. Mm -hmm. Verse 21 does when you read it literally in the Greek. Mm -hmm. So it would be better understood, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ as wives do their husbands. Hmm. They submit to their husbands just as uh, the church is to submit to Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's the picture that's that's there. It's not, here's all these examples of submission. Wives submit to husbands and husbands submit to wives. That That's not what's going on there. Yeah. That's not how the language is structured in that particular passage. But this is, uh, again, over and over again, it becomes attacked by the culture. The There was an article that came out recently. I can't remember if this was in the Atlantic uh, just a few weeks back where it was talking about how the nuclear family was a failure and we shouldn't be following this structure anymore. Mm-hmm. The basic traditional nuclear family is the the husband goes to work. Uh, the, the wife 
takes care of the kids at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, the husband's the typical breadwinner, things like that. And we, right. we shouldn't be following that system anymore. Well, that's the family as God has structured it. Mm-hmm. And take out the whole term nuclear family, whatever. Right. Is it, the don't, biblical family. Right. Look at the biblical family. What is the biblical picture of the family as God has created it? Mm-hmm. The husband is the head of the household. That word patriarchy literally means the ruling father, the rule of the father. It is from the Greek word patriarchies, where pater is the Greek word that means father, and archi means to rule. And this is how God has designed the family. The man is to be the head of the household. And the father likewise has that name that is carried on by his children. Right. So then the sons and the daughters have the surname of the father. Mm-hmm. Whether or not our culture wants to admit it, that's still going on here. Yeah. <laughs> For the most part. Yeah. The culture is still uh, adopting this patriarchal system in which the children carry on the name of the father until they get married mm-hmm. or otherwise, you know, submit change to their it. right. Yeah. Submit their name to somebody else. Change the name. Hyphenate the name, which is yeah. ridiculous. Like, where does that end? So you get married and instead of taking the husband's name, you decide to hyphenate the last name. So it'd be like Smith Johnson. When John Smith marries... Uh, Mary Johnson, and then when and then they hyphenate the last name and it becomes Smith Johnson. So then their kids get married. Uh, a daughter gets married to a Hanson. Then they hyphenate and it becomes Smith Johnson Hanson. Yep. <laughs> so we're just going to keep doing that until we get this extraordinarily long well, last then name. You don't. I mean, it's kind of like the Bible hats all in the you know. <laughs> You don't have oh, to yeah, go back any of, further. The whole genealogy. Just, yes, the genealogy of it. So like your last name is basically First Chronicles. Right. That's right. Yeah, pretty much. There you go. That's how that comes down. <laughs> so I mentioned that and I open up talking about patriarchy because I had talked about this on Twitter the other day and had some good uh, comments and responses to this. Oh. Uh, Devin from Carrollton, Georgia says, amen, beautiful. Well, what'd you say on Twitter? Oh, yeah, that's right. I guess I got to start with my tweet. Well, you know, it'd be nice to fill in the blanks. I didn't just open up with patriarchy. Patriarchy. And then comments. That was it. Yeah. (laughs) I should try that, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to go over well. (laughs) I'll just make a tweet that's patriarchy. We'll see. We'll see what happens. (laughs) It's like like my battle cry. I just got my hand in the air and my patriarchy flag. Patriarchy is biblical. What does that look like in my home? I work, my wife cooks and cleans, me too. I lead devotions and worship, Becky makes the kids memorize verses, I teach my wife, she teaches me. But the responsibility to lead is mine, and Becky submits in honor of Christ. Amen. Now that's that's using all the available characters to me, uh, that were available to me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. 280 characters? Yes, yeah, something is that, like is that. Is that what a tweet is? So that's that's it. That was exactly 280 characters. Hmm. Can you add to that or or kind of expound upon a little bit how our home life works? What would be patriarchy in our home? I mean, you're you're a stay at home mom. I am. And you're I'm a, I'm a housewife. Yes. As I like to put it. Taking care of the kids, mm-hmm. teaching the kids because we homeschool our kids. Right. That's a full time job. Uh, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Becky yes. does have her work cut out for her. So <laughs> I do. I definitely do. Um, well, I don't look for work outside the home very often. And if it is, it's just like, what can I do that's fun? You know, you've done tutoring and things yeah. like that. Yeah. 
painting and whatnot. Right. So, um, but for the most part, it's, it's, I'm not looking for a full-time job or anything like that outside the home because I know that you will take care of us. Right. And that the God is sufficient in giving us enough to make ends meet. And we just have to use that wisely. Yes. And that's, um, that's what we're called to do anyway. And the, the Bible tells us, you know, be shrewd and, and um, good stewards. So with what I gift to you. So that's what we are trying to accomplish in me staying home and you bringing in the paycheck, which is more than a paycheck. It's, it's the kingdom work. Right, exactly. Yeah, because I'm a pastor, so I'm I'm considered so, that uh, that elder that is considered worthy of double honor, mm-hmm. as Paul had described. So I get paid; I get a full time wage for the work that I do with the church. Mm-hmm. That provides for the family. That allows me to do not just ministry with my church, but even some of the things that you see with the what videos and doing mm-hmm. the podcasts and things like that. Right. I'm recording all of this on a laptop that the church gave to me. Yes all of our needs met by the church and through the ministry, which as Becky said, becomes a job. Mm -hmm. My wife cooks and cleans me too. I also do the grocery shopping. You do because there is no me getting out. (laughs) When I get out, I I just, I buy everything. (laughs) So um, I can, I can, when I'm at home, I know what we need. When I'm out, I forget. And I'm just like, yeah, this looks great. I could I could really use this. And then I get home and then like a week goes by. I'm like, you know, I probably shouldn't have bought that. <laughs> She's susceptible to all so, the sales gimmicks oh, that go on so in a grocery bad. store. It's so bad. Hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> like, I need this. This would make life so much easier. Yeah. And, and yet it's just one more thing. So I try not to go shopping, quite honestly, because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a much better... I'm much better at knowing what we need and writing it on a list and saying, hey, you go get this because I cannot trust myself in this store. <laughs> <laughs> well, that whole thing with me shopping, I mean, that wasn't planned when we got married. Nope, not we, at all. We had gone through pre-marriage counseling and we had decided, mm-hmm. here's what my responsibilities are going to be. Here's what yours are going to be. You know, we talked about those kinds of things. Yeah. I don't think any of that worked out that way. When no. we <laughs> Very no. little of that anyway. Uh, within six weeks of getting married, we got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those pregnancies where Becky pretty much wanted to sleep all the time. Oh, no, I would just wake up and I'm like, oh, I, I fell asleep. Like, it was a surprise. Like, oh, yeah, it's like narcolepsy. Yes. It was a narcoleptic pregnancy. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, Annie was such a great child. So uh, that was, but that was awkward that I would just wake up and not even know I was tired. Yeah. Let alone sleeping, you know. And, and so because that yeah. was that was her her health, basically, during that pregnancy, I got to shop. Mm-hmm. I would go shop for everything. Never complained about it. It just kind of became the necessity. And uh, Becky would do some meals and some crockpot meals and things like that. But I would be the one to go to the grocery store and get everything. Yes. And then it's just been that way in our marriage ever since. Mm-hmm. So I've done the grocery shopping. and Well, to take four children to the store is... Well, now, yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> it, it becomes overwhelming, too. <laughs> they want to go with me, and just taking two of them with me is difficult enough. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it works out great for us. Um, let's see what's next. I said, my wife cooks and cleans, me too. I lead devotions and worship. Mm-hmm. Becky, you do most of the cooking, though. I you, do, yeah. We, I think I, we split lunch. We do, yeah. And then I do supper. Yeah. But you do breakfast. I don't do breakfast at all. Right. And Annie's, um, Annie is our oldest and she's been 
she's old enough and, and capable enough to help a lot. The and kids also off and on. I always so. make lunch between like noon and one. And the kids are getting hungry now at 11.30. Oh, I know. They want food at 11.30. They don't want to wait until noon. And so if that's going to be the case, Annie can make everybody food. Mm-hmm. I'm good with that system. Yeah. That takes... Uh, Gives her a little responsibility. That's right. One less thing that I got to do yeah. as well. So you lead devotions. Yes. Um, you get up in the mornings and sometimes in the evenings and, and we do devotion. Yeah, if we don't make it work in the morning, then we do yeah. it at supper time. Mm-hmm. And then worship. And um, the children love worship part. And let's see, I make the kids memorize verses. Yes. Um, the Awana books that we have. Yep, we have Awana. And sometimes there's extra verses that will... Um, like a quiet answer turns away wrath, whereas an angry response stirs up anger or something harsh. harsh a harsh word, response. Harsh, harsh word. Harsh word stirs up anger. Yeah, that, that's it. See, they, the kids have this memorized. I'm still working <laughs> on it. <laughs> but I have that written on our wall and, and things like that. So I, I bring in, you know, uh, I try to bring in God throughout the day of you know, trying to keep our, our mindset and our eyes on them. Because the, the world, even in our home, like our flesh is still, we're still battling yeah, against our right. flesh. And so it's it's me, 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 me. Wait, no. It's us, 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 us. Wait, no. It's God. You know, and it's it's hard. It's tough to keep turning your eyes, like guiding them. Away from yourself Away and from onto the Lord. Right. and up. Yeah. So it's, yeah. The, even though we don't have the messages of the world in our home mm-hmm. through watching a lot of TV and getting a lot of entertainment and things like that, the messages of the world are still there because it is. we're in this world and we're sinners and we're in our home. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, there is still that constant tendency to battle those uh, fleshly desires, those selfish inhibitions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then you teach me and, and I teach you. We, we go through um, Bible verses and... Um, Praying together. Yeah, praying together. But the responsibility ultimately to lead my family, that falls on me. Yep. Even though Becky is the one that will get the kids to memorize their verses, and she does a great job with it, too. I'm I'm not great at memorization. I don't know how to teach somebody to memorize. Becky knows how to do that real well. Mm-hmm. And so the kids memorize it's, their verses. It's called I'm stubborn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then they'll quote <laughs> them to me, and I'm like. go over this again. Yeah. And, and again. <laughs> They'll quote them to me, and I'm impressed. I'm like, "Wow, how did you how did you memorize that? That's fantastic!" And then I'll try to quote that same verse to them later, mm-hmm. and be like, "Dad, no, that's not how that goes." <laughs> and then they'll, then they'll correct me on my verses. Mm-hmm. So that was the tweet that, that you know talking about patriarchy being biblical, how it's exercised in my home. Mm-hmm. And here were some of the responses we got. So now I, I come back to these responses again. I already mentioned De- uh, Devin in Carrollton, Georgia, but didn't mention his comment. He says, amen, beautiful. My wife is the most amazing person I have ever met. She is a godly woman who helps me, encourages me, teaches me, and is my partner in everything. Praise God. Aw, that's sweet. That's good, healthy patriarchy in the home. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that the wife is supposed to sit there and be quiet and not talk. Yeah, and that's the way not that do anything. Yeah, that's right. That's you the just way. Sit there. That's the way the world defines patriarchy. Like it's just some sort of abusive, oppressive system. Isn't it kind of ironic that some of the ladies just want to be doted on, but yet they they want the the power 
Yeah, that uh, right. You know, well, I want the power so that way you can dote on me. Um, it, so their whole idea of patriarchy is being, you know, having to sit there and be forced to sit there and do nothing. Um, that's pretty much what you're getting my hus- power for. Yeah. My husband <laughs> tells me what to do and I just have to do it. It's just kind of like, well, I don't get to have a career. I have to wear long dresses. You know, that's that's the yeah. way they all. Yeah. My wife's wearing jeans sitting here. So I am. <laughs> and I'm still cold. <laughs> it is kind of chilly in here, though. Um, what was I going to mention about? The- oh, there's the, you know, the the meme that pops up every once in a while. I think it comes about just about every winter mm-hmm. where it's got a woman saying, we demand fairness. We can do everything that a man can do. Yes. And the man's out there going, honey, get out here and help me shovel the driveway. Yep. She's like, oh, that's that's such a man's job. Yep. <laughs> That's the uh, that's well, feminism I mean, in but, a nutshell. But women are supposed to change their minds often, right? <laughs> that's right. Feel free to change your mind and redefine patriarchy anytime you want. <laughs> feminism I and kid, equality. I kid. Yeah. <laughs> so this comment is from somebody named the preacher's wife. Mm-hmm. No, uh, no other name. Uh, expounding on that identity. Okay. Your home life sounds very biblical to me, but definitely not how patriarchy plays out in today's churches. Patriarchy has become a power trip for weak men in most cases. The fact that you help your wife around the house and admit you learn from her is beautiful. Well, I responded to her and I said, that's just abusive behavior. It's not a result Uh, of patriarchy for these men to be on these power trips. And it's also, I would argue that it's not common in most of today's churches your home life sounds very biblical to me but not how patriarchy plays out in today's churches i would say uh in in most churches so we're going to go like everything that identifies itself as a church okay let's let's just take every single meeting entity on saturday or sunday that would say we're a church okay okay? what you're generally going to find there is weak men Mm -hmm. that's usually what you find you look into the the most abusive 1611 independent fundamentalist Baptist churches, and I'm talking abusive ones here, not all independent fundamentalist churches, mm-hmm. but that's where you're going to see those men that are very dominating and abusive of their wives. Mm-hmm. Might be more typical in, a, in an environment like that, but the majority of churches, no. I don't think she quite has that right. But God designed patriarchy. So it, when you have an abusive husband in that way, or when you even have an, a, a system in which the men are dominating the women mm-hmm. and saying, hey, all women are supposed to submit to all men, you know, having that kind right. of approach. That's that's just abusive behavior. That has nothing to do with patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Patriarchy is not the reason why that happened. Sinful, godless men are the reason why that happens. Right. So God designed patriarchy for men to lead, take charge and protect. Mm-hmm. Just this past Sunday in church. In our Sunday school class, I was teaching from 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7, and it's in verse 7 where it says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the kingdom of God that has been promised to us in Christ Jesus. So that's that's patriarchy there. Yeah. That husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. They are fellow heirs of the kingdom of God. And of course, what we read here in Ephesians 5, 25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Hmm. That's part of patriarchy. That's not counter patriarchy. (laughs) That is how the man should be in the home 
where God has placed him. And it is beautiful. It is. That's right. Yeah. It is a beautiful picture. I love our marriage. I do too. I have never been unsatisfied or or not content with our marriage. The Lord has given us a beautiful thing, but our marriage is founded on Christ. It's Mm. built upon Christ. Right. And it's not that Becky and I are perfect people. We're sinners like everybody else. Yep. And plenty of times I've had to apologize to her or she has apologized to me Mm -hmm. or we've both had to realize we're just not doing this right. You know, (laughs) so we come back to the word and uh, and regroup ourselves and come before the Lord and ask for forgiveness. And we continue on in honor of God. Mm-hmm. This next comment from TJ, I humbly caution you against using the word teach where I said that my wife teaches me ah, uh-huh. considering that first Timothy two twelve says I do not permit a woman to teach. My wife and I point things out to one another regularly, but she doesn't instruct me in the scriptures. We generally have a discussion and consensus. If we didn't, there would be serious investigation. I don't know what that means. <laughs> there would be serious investigation. Uh, so let's say Becky said to me, let's let's say that we were uh, uh, looking at the scriptures one morning mm-hmm. with the children. We're doing our devotions together. And Becky quotes to me Ephesians 525. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Is Becky teaching me? Yes, because that's a command. Mm -hmm. That's a direct instruction. And if it comes from her mouth, she's teaching. First Timothy 2.12 is not about how no woman should ever teach a man. That's not what first Timothy 2.12 means. Mm -hmm. That's given again in the context of the order and structure of the church. And we went through this last week. I don't want every week to be beating the first Timothy two eleven and 12 drum. Right. But but that's that's the context of that passage. Mm-hmm. A woman can't be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, very simply what the instruction is supposed to be. She's not even supposed to take on the function of a pastor. The job is the function and the function is the job. Mm-hmm. The pastor is supposed to be a godly man. And then you have the qualifications that he's supposed to meet in first Timothy three, one through seven. But this doesn't mean that a woman cannot ever instruct a man. The example that is given constantly is Aquila and Priscilla who are taking Apollos aside and then instructing him in the way Priscilla was every bit as much a part of that. She Mm -hmm. was not just standing there. Hey, I want you to meet my husband. He's going to tell you a little bit more. Yeah, because otherwise her name wouldn't have been mentioned. She would have been his wife. Yeah, yeah. She would not have even been part of that evangelism work with Apollos. Right. So a woman absolutely can give instruction to a man. And my wife does give instruction to me. Colossians 3.16, in fact, says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Mm. teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So if my wife needs to correct my behavior, which has happened before, I'm getting a little short with the kids. Maybe I'm having a grumpy day. (laughs) (laughs) You got the grumps. I got the grumps today. (laughs) And she just knows how to gently and yet even humbly instruct me and draw my attention to my attitude and say, you know, sweetheart, you were a little harsh with Zeej. Mm -hmm. So that I'm aware of that. I can apologize to Zeej and, and likewise apologize to my wife. Because she had to instruct me and call my attention to the fact that I was behaving in a way that was not godly as a father and as the head of my household. Mm -hmm. And that's perfectly fine for her to do that. She's not stepping outside of any sort of biblical grounds by instructing me in that way. In fact, I want her to. We 
sanctify each other. Mm -hmm. I help to grow her in holiness. She helps to grow me in holiness. And if she can't rebuke me when she needs to, then how can she effectively grow me in holiness? Yeah. Now, I think that I think that the wife needs to be careful with that, that she doesn't turn into somebody who's constantly um, subverting her husband. So you need to be careful in the way that you would offer that correction. A wife probably has to be more careful about that than the husband does, Mm -hmm. because the husband naturally, according to God's structure for the family, has that position where he's leading his wife and his children. Mm -hmm. That's the way the, the home naturally is set up. So for the wife to have to correct the husband, she's going to have to be very mindful of of how she approaches that more so than the way that the husband does when he is instructing his wife or his children, that she's still in submission to the fact that he is the head of the household, Mm -hmm. not getting to a place where she's like, well, I guess I'm taking over from here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My husband can't even do this right. So now I've got to do this. Right. And those uh, as I was reading there from first Peter Chapter three, verses one through seven, the first six verses, one through six are uh, are directed toward a wife who is married to an unbelieving husband Mm. and and how she should conduct herself with her husband who is not leading in his home. Yeah. And even in that context, she's still supposed to be a patient and submissive wife Mm -hmm. who may win over her husband by her quiet conduct. Mm hmm. That's what Peter is is showing there. But anyway, that's just to respond to TJ and say, hey, his his uh, rebuke was not correct (laughs) to say, don't use the word teach there. My wife can teach me. Mm. It's just in the in the structure of the church and the way the order of the church is set up. She's not supposed to have that role that God is specifically assigned for a man to fill, Mm -hmm. namely the pastor. Uh, Next one's from Andrew in the U.K., And he's adding on to what I said about patriarchy. He says, if anything goes wrong, the man carries the can. The man leads in repentance. The man leads in restoration and where necessary. The man makes restitution. The man doesn't shift responsibility as our first father tried, meaning Abraham or or Abraham, meaning meaning Adam. Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Where Adam was like, hey, the woman you gave to me gave me some of the fruit and I ate it. And then Andrew goes, who else was there to blame? <laughs> yeah, right. The, the woman threw the snake under the bus and Adam threw his wife under the bus. Um, at reverse order. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. Mm-hmm. So Andrew goes on. If and when my wife sins, the long, hard look is at myself. I agree with Andrew there. I think that was a wonderful and tender way to put that. Mm. And in fact, even in the Old Testament, when you had the family had transgressed or someone in the family transgressed, who was taking the sacrifice to the tabernacle or to the temple? Yeah. It was the husband. The husband, yeah. And that's patriarchy. Mm -hmm. He has to oversee and care for even the uh, uh, atonement for the sins that were committed by the members of his house. Mm-hmm. You have Job doing that right at the very beginning of Job. Yeah. His kids are getting yep, together. That's what I was thinking of. The story you thought was, that one too? Yeah. Because yeah. uh-huh. his kids are grown. Yeah. I mean, they're still around, but they're they're grown. And yet he's still taking a large sacrifice. That's right. Because, yeah. because it's generally in patriarchy, generally the oldest male is the one who is the head of the household. Mm-hmm. The father dies, then it goes to the oldest son. Okay. And I, I yeah, I think that's a... A God ordained order mm-hmm. for how the uh, the home is structured. This next comment was from Rebecca in Mississippi. She laughed. Makes the kids memorize verses. <laughs> yeah, makes the kids memorize. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Again with the stubbornness. Yep. That's that's where I get my um, 
strong-willed that comes out. That's where you can apply yes. your strong-willed tendencies. It, it is, comes in handy yeah. when you're doing that, yes. <laughs> Babs from the UK. Wow. Simply explained, humbly received. I hope that people will get it. Mm. It's what we have been trying to tell people, that godly patriarchy doesn't diminish any woman, but a thing of joy when one provides leadership and direction. Amen. And by the way, it should be a woman's joy to submit to her husband. Mm-hmm. It is. As a pastor, I've talked with many women who who struggle with, I want to submit to my husband, but he's just not leading. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's interesting. I encounter that quite a bit, considering that the way of our culture is a, a, a woman is looking for any and every opportunity to assert herself and take charge. Right, to power trip. Right. Yeah. But you still have many women out there, godly women who understand the man is supposed to be leading mm-hmm. and she's hungering for that when he's not. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a different kind of counseling. you kind of get fed up and, and uh, then you're like, OK, fine, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it, you know. <laughs> There is that tendency to do that, yeah, and and that's something that, um, that I have to make sure that I'm not um, trying to take over in instances where I feel like, um, not that you lack in anything, but just like, oh, we could be doing this better, so I need to like step in and and do this and change this up, and that's not that's not up to me. Yeah. Like your perspective of our family is more well-rounded than what I see in front of me. Like you are thinking about the overall, the long-term, like the, I got to go downtown and pay some bills today. The, the chess pieces, like how <laughs> am I going to move this 10 moves from now? Right. And, and I'm looking at, you know, within three moves, we need to be here. And so I'm, I'm not looking at that longevity, that long-term kind of thing. So I have to make sure to keep myself in check and not try to step in and um, and um, undermine and just totally undo what you had been already working towards. Yeah, right. So there's also that where maybe the guy is leading, but he's not leading how you feel like he should be leading. And so... Um, Undermine's a good word. I think I used the word subvert earlier. Okay. Yeah, but undermine is good. Mm-hmm. So when talking to women about being careful not to undermine your husband. Yes. I said not to subvert, but undermine. Yeah, so good word. Uh, <laughs> Carla says, biblical patriarchy is so different from worldly patriarchy. The world tries to distort and pervert whatever is good. Everything. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Chris in California, right on, Pastor Gabe. It's such a good reminder to us men that we work hard then come home to serve our families. Hmm. Maybe we can come up with a more biblical term like Christiarchy. <laughs> well, I would say we just need to reclaim that term patriarchy. Yep. Don't be ashamed of it. Take it back over. Because it is a it is a godly structure. It is the way that the Lord has arranged the family to operate. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good reminder to us men that we work hard and then we come home and serve our families. Yes. And when you come home, and this is something I'm preaching to myself when I say this, you don't come home and you sit on your phone or you sit in front of the TV or you're looking at a screen mm-hmm. and you're just like, hey, I'm sitting here in the living room. So family do something. And this is our family time. Right. While I'm going to stare that at my doesn't screen. Count. That's right. You're not with your family. Yeah. And the kids should let you know. Yeah. The kids usually are good about, you know, climbing on your lap, getting in between you and your whatever device and um or <laughs> screaming over in the corner starting yeah. an argument just to get your attention those type of things the way our kids so. will do it 
is they'll they'll come and sit next to you and they'll go, Dad, you're on your phone a lot. Yep. <laughs> well, I've worked hard to make them use their words. <laughs> <laughs> you do great, babe. <laughs> so they they do tell it like it is. This one from Naja. What people don't know is that what the wife does is work on its own. A glorious one, in fact. Everything that you do is work. Oh, <laughs> it feels like it. Just about every election cycle, you've got some woman that's running for political office who will say something really dumb, mm-hmm. like like these, these stay-at-home women need to get out and work or something yeah. like that. Go out and get a real job. I didn't. I didn't stay at home. I went out and I worked my tail end off. Mm-hmm. Like they'll say something ridiculous like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like you don't know what homework is. Mm. Real homework. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard and it's it's emotionally draining at times too. Yeah. So sometimes it, I have to help recharge my wife or say I'm taking the kids. You go out with your friends. <laughs> yep. I've done that a few times. Yep. We got a date today, though. We do. Today we get to I'm go out so on a excited. date. <laughs> we're uh, we're rebelling against the Valentine uh, whole thing, so we didn't do it last week. We're going to mm-hmm. go on a on a date tonight. Uh, and then I also had a comment from an anonymous troll. Okay. I won't even dignify this this uh, this person's comment by mentioning their name, but the comment was: Yes, patriarchy is biblical. So is polygamy. Let's make the Bible great again. Polygamy is biblical and practiced by all the ancient patriarchs. Not all. No, it wasn't. And just because Abraham had multiple wives or Jacob had two wives and David had multiple wives and Solomon had way too many wives, just because you read about that in the Old Testament doesn't mean that that's what God intended for marriage. They don't necessarily have to read the Old Testament to get that information either, so they... Might not even know. Oh, no, he, he doesn't have any idea. Yeah. Especially when he says polygamy is biblical and practiced by all the ancient patriarchs. Uh, Isaac was a one-woman man. Mm-hmm. So was Moses. Yep. Contrary to popular belief, many will say that Moses had two wives. Nope, he didn't. He only had one. Job. Uh, Job had one wife who was a nagging wife, mm-hmm. but he did have just one wife. <laughs> That's true. Um, Adam had one wife. He didn't really have a choice in the matter, though. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But see, that's That's how God created it. He didn't create Mm -hmm. Adam with multiple wives. He created Adam and Eve. Right. And Jesus said in Matthew 19, four through six, that this is the way that God had created it from the beginning. Mm -hmm. A man will leave his father and his mother, one man and one woman, be united to his wife, one man and one woman, and the two one man and one woman shall become one flesh. Mm. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What God has joined together, let man not separate. Or you might otherwise read that as let man not redefine. Mm. Of the qualifications of a pastor in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, he is to be a one woman man. Mm-hmm. He is to be the husband of one wife. Because that is the example he is setting for the church. That yep. a man is supposed to be married to one wife and... And that is the standard of marriage as God has created it. So polygamy, while it was allowed, is not God's order for marriage. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if you have somebody that is in a polygamous relationship, which happens sometimes with missionaries when they go to other parts of the world, they enter a culture where polygamy is practiced. 
The people repent. They come to Christ. They don't tell the husbands to divorce all their wives, but their first one. Right. They need to continue to provide for these women Mm -hmm. uh, uh, who are likely also mothers Mm -hmm. so that the children don't become fatherless. Right. But teach your children when they grow up to marry only one spouse. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that's our I meant to I didn't mean for that to be 40 minutes of the program, but that's how that's how far we've gone here talking about patriarchy. But that was the statement that I made on Twitter yesterday and some of the comments we had as a result. I think that this is something biblical that we should be proud of and we should strive toward understanding and defining and and working through properly, mm-hmm. not shunning it because we've heard it so many times from the culture down with the patriarchy. Right. Or because somebody came from some sort of a system where a man was abusive and now they start blaming patriarchy mm-hmm. for that. Now, biblical or patriarchy the, solves the, the issue. the ones who abuse it call it patriarchy. Like, I am the man and so you have to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no humility there in, in that sort of approach. Well, being Friday, now that I'm getting to this uh, this portion, yeah. being Friday, we take questions from the listeners, and you can submit those questions, too, when we understand the text at gmail.com. This first one comes from Chris. He says, Dear Pastor Gabe, if a church or ministry publishes music and then is caught in a sexual abuse scandal, would it be right to stop singing their songs in church? I'm thinking of Hillsong and the ongoing ordeal with Frank Houston. Hmm. It was Brian Houston's dad. He was uh, uh, Frank Houston was a pedophile. Oh, okay. And then also Sovereign Grace Ministries, which is mostly sound in their doctrine, unlike Hillsong. But there is that uh, uh, the abuse scandal in Sovereign Grace's past at one of their churches. There were some children who were being molested. Oh. Given the disturbing revelations in the last 10 years, especially regarding C.J. Mahaney, is it now unwise to sing songs they write and publish? I anticipate your answer. Thank you. Regarding uh, Sovereign Grace, no, I don't think you stop singing Sovereign Grace music because of, uh, of that scandal that happened in one of their churches. Right. It's not the whole denomination. Mm-hmm. And it's not that there was something about the denomination that was corrupt that led to that. The, the men who were responsible for that, and if in that instance there were other people that didn't adequately report that, mm-hmm. they should be held accountable for that. Right. But it doesn't mean the entire church is therefore corrupt right. and we stop singing their music. Mm-hmm. I would say the same thing would be true for Hillsong. But Frank Houston is not the reason why I tell people not to sing Hillsong songs. Mm -hmm. I tell them not to sing Hillsong because the whole church is heretical. Right. That's why you don't sing Hillsong. And the way that these churches work, whether you're talking about Hillsong or you're talking about Bethel, you're talking about Elevation, they win people with the music. Mm. And, and, and the, then they come, they bring them in that way. Right. They rope people in that yeah. way. And then they're going to snag you with their doctrine. Then they're going to fill you up. It's like a Pied Piper sort of a thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the story of the Pied Piper is he's playing his flute and he's leading the children out of town. Mm-hmm. And there's no words. He's just playing his pipe. But the children are enticed by the music and they follow him. So with these songs, the doctrine of these churches is not always evident in the songs that they're singing. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the songs are, are fairly, you know, it's a, a typical Sunday school answer type lyric, you right. know, might say something like we worship Jesus. We worship God. Uh, uh, forgive us our sins. If they do say anything like that. 
it's it's uh, very, very basic. And, and it's repetitive. And very repetitive. On mm-hmm. top of that, hooks like crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the way that the music hooks is structured. They've got this system down. They know right. how to do it. Yeah. So they rope you in through the music. They with don't the feels. Tr- with all the feels. They don't try to say anything too controversial because they don't want to push anybody away on what is being performed in these songs. Seeker friendly. Kind yeah, of. right. Yeah. It goes right along with that whole seeker sensitive thing. That, yeah. that same mentality. Right. right. And and that's how they do it. Bethel does it the same way. You know, Bethel taking a song like This is Amazing Grace, which is one of the most famous songs they've ever done, maybe uh, uh, second to um, Reckless Love. Okay. That's kind of the signature song of Bethel now. But before that, it was This is Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with those lyrics in This is Amazing Grace. But it's all the stuff that Bethel teaches that makes it really, really bad. Right. So that's why you stay away from that stuff. Not because of sex abuse scandals. The persons who were uh, a part of that sex abuse scandal, they need to be held accountable for that. Mm. If there's anybody that covered it up, they need to be held accountable. Now, with Hillsong, it might actually be the sort of a thing that they're corrupt from the top down on that particular scandal. Mm-hmm. In which case, yeah, that that may be something that would... Otherwise, make you decide, I'm not going to give Hillsong any of my attention. But I don't I, I don't tell people not to sing Hillsong because of Frank Houston. I tell them because Hillsong is heretical. Right. <laughs> well, there was there was somebody on Twitter. I don't remember who it was had posted um, that if you can't sing them in church because of your convictions, doesn't that make you the weaker vessel? you know, looking out for your brother so that they may not fall for sin. I wanted you to kind of explain how that weaker vessel. Well, I'm kind of confused. I don't, I don't yeah, really know. What... I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> like I just read weaker vessel so... out of first Peter three, seven. So I don't know. No, 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 no. Like, um, cause you don't want your brother to fall short. Right. Um, because of exposing. We who are mature have an obligation to bear at the failings of the week. That one. So that's Romans 15 one. Okay. So using that one, um, the the failings of the week does that make you the weaker person person <laughs> to, um, because you don't want to sing it and I don't think so I think that makes you the person um, that is more mature looking out for those who are less mature yeah I mean sure you can sing it and you can still give praise to God through that song sure but. For the the person who is like intrigued by it, like, oh, I haven't heard the song. Let me go look up more. And it just leads them into that. The false teaching of the, of the, yeah, of the church that it comes from. Yeah, too. And I mean, it's up there on the on the screen. Mm-hmm. You got down there in the yep. fine print. It will say copyright Bethel music, copyright elevation, copyright Hillsong. Right. They go find more of those songs. They come into the teaching of that church. They follow everything that it is that they do. And it becomes a slippery slope. Yeah. And then that that bleeds into your church. Yeah. Too. So whenever they go and investigate all the stuff and they like what they hear, because it's it's all friendly to your ear. It's it's scratching the itching air and and then they bring that into your church where your doctrine was sound but now you have this weak link of you know no here come come learn what's true about this well then you have a conflict yeah and and they're like well why did you even put me in front of put that in front of me so that way if it was going to be that dangerous right yeah yeah and that's uh it's like worshiping with heretics 
So as Becky was saying, you have a church that's otherwise sound in their doctrine, but now you've introduced the worship being led by a heretic. Mm -hmm. How are we unified? How are we together now? And like Becky said, you can sing that song and you have a right understanding of Christ according to what his word says, not according to what the writer of this song says, Mm because maybe you don't know the writer of the song. Right. But in situations where I have been knowledgeable of who wrote this song and where it comes from, Mm -hmm. and I've been a part of some sort of ecumenical gathering. Um, There was one recently I took the kids to back in November. Okay. So we're attending this concert and they start breaking out into songs that I immediately recognize. These are Bethel songs Mm. and everybody's singing along and they're very worshipful and everyone is probably completely genuine in their worship, but I can't do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I know the intention behind the lyric that is being sung there is not godly. Mm. So I, I stood there and, you know, appreciated that everybody that was singing along with this probably had a genuine heart that they were lifting up to the Lord. But because I knew who the writer of the song was and what they meant by what they wrote, yeah. I couldn't in my right mind uh, sing along with that, knowing what I knew about what those lyrics really meant. Hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean that everybody else was in the wrong, but just in my conscience, I couldn't participate. Hmm. It's not that I, you know, got up and said, hey, no, stop. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Let me yeah. teach you in this. Yeah, it wasn't anything like that. Uh, I hope that that is helpful for you, Chris. Gives you something to think about there. This next one's also about music. This is from okay. Ryan. He says, hello, Gebeki. Hello. I've been hearing that there are certain genres of music that Christians should not listen to, <laughs> like metal, rock, and rap. And that we're really only confined to the stuff in hymn books or on Christian radio. Well, we've just argued, no. (laughs) (laughs) There's even stuff on Christian radio you need to stay away from. Yep. Ryan goes on, I'm wanting to know your thoughts. I know that there are bands like Skillet who call themselves Christians as well as would be considered hard rock. Thank you for considering my question. Uh, I think it's fine to listen to some of that. Now, I've heard Vody Bauckham give a talk on this. Uh-huh. And he was it was in a Q&A session. And I think he was in Africa when he was doing this Q&A. OK. But the question was asked about rap music. Mm-hmm. And he was was very careful with the way that he started his answer. He said, I'm I'm going to be unlike most in the way that I respond to this particular question. But I don't think you should be listening to rap at all. Huh. And the reason he gave for that, he said, even Christian rap, it's because the rap music was made to be the, the whole invention of it was a rebellion against the police, against government, against the man, Hmm. uh, against authority. That's where rap music was birthed out of in the drug and gang culture in L.A. back during the times of the riots and stuff like that back in the 80s. Interesting. uh, And early 90s. And so he said because the very design of rap music was meant to be a rebellion, I don't think any Christian should be listening to it at all. Hmm. Now, I don't necessarily share that. Of course, uh, Vody Bauckham also grew up in L.A. Yes, he did. So he saw all of that and, and was right up close and personal with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you you know, you got Christian rap artists and stuff like that out there. I don't see there being any problem with listening to what it is that, the, that they're doing. It's not my style. Mm-hmm. So I don't really own any rap. Mm-hmm. But there are some rap songs that will come up every once in a while on YouTube or they pop up in my Twitter feed or something like that. Uh-huh. Man, there's some solid lyrics in there. Yeah. There's, you know, as as the saying goes, spitting some rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and through that rhyming scheme, through that rhythm and R&B sort of structure, 
Uh, well, rhythm. It's not really rhythm and blues, but it's it's uh, it def- the hip hop. That would be the term. Okay, for it. yeah. Using that. I was hi- gonna say really. Yeah, We're it's not R and B. Yeah, That's... I think that you can combine rap and R and B. Okay. I mean, you can hear rap in just about. Uh, there's rap and pop music. Okay. There's also the rap rock. Remember how that right. got real big in the '90s? Right. Uh huh. So you can throw that rap style into anything. Uh huh. But yeah, it's it's not really associated with R and B. It's hip hop. Right. Hip hop was the term I was yes. looking for there. Hip hop. But yeah, following that hip hop genre of music and and hearing some great, solid, convicting truth. And sometimes that structure is perfect for some of the ways that truth is conveyed in a lot of these songs that you don't hear in songs with melody mm-hmm. and and harmony uh, and following a particular musical pattern. Right. Of the the whole, you know, verse, bridge, chorus type structure, mm-hmm. uh, three, four chords, you know, something like that. Right. That's a little bit more difficult. You're kind of confined to more rules when you're writing a song as opposed to doing a rap. Mm-hmm. There's there's a little bit more liberty there. Yeah. You just have to follow a certain rhythm, rhyme it in certain places. Mm-hmm. But I think that because rap music is, is more freeing as an art, then it allows for a truth to be conveyed in a different manner than it's done in a in a song. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So anyway, that, that's just to, to answer the question in such a way as to each their own. Yeah. If you want to listen to metal, you want to listen to rock. And I mean, rock in its origins was supposed to be yep. very angry yep. as well. It was. So um, be, be sure to do background um, before you really cling to any Christian artist, because there's there's a lot of them that are um, falling away, going wayward. I don't know what you call it. Because like they they seem to be sound at some point in their life and then they're not anymore. Well, let me let me tell you this as far as like personal preferences go. Mm-hmm. If you like it and you enjoy it and there's nothing inherently wrong in the lyrics or the content of the song, then enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. If you if it's there's no danger there of it being yeah. uh, of leading you astray and it's just entertainment or it even helps you to reflect upon things related to God draws your mind toward Christ. Mm-hmm. I, I've shared this before about entertainment. I just don't like to put myself on display when it comes to my entertainment choices mm-hmm. because I don't want to cause anybody else to to stumble. Right. But there are things that I enjoy as far as music goes, as far as movies or television goes that I can enjoy. And, and it's not inherently bad. Mm-hmm. Like it's not throwing up just a horrible images, uh, imagery on the screen or mm-hmm. something like that. It's not full of a lot of foul language. See, if I know about the artist or the actor or whatever, I can't enjoy it as much. Sometimes anymore. me too. Right. Like it just totally. Not that I have them up on a pedestal and I expect them to be sinless, but just at least have morals, you know, yeah. and, and when they're not it's it's tough it really is tough i know it kind of your ability to suspend belief mm-hmm. kind of goes out the window when you know yeah. what kind of person this actor is or right. what kind of person sort of the like artist what you were is. saying earlier about how um if you know who the song was written by and their intent behind the song it's tough yeah right yeah so mm-hmm. Depends on how much research you want to put into it. Okay. I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah. That's, but to each their own on yes. a lot of those entertainment Definitely. choices. Yeah. And there are some solid people out there, no matter what genre you listen to. Yeah. So. Always good to remember Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Well, that's our program for today. Uh, send us an email, yeah, please, when please. we understand the text at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Let's conclude with prayer. Yes, let's. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together, and I pray that we have been honoring of you and uh, considerate of your word, that it guides us in faith and practice in all that we say and do, that we remember we serve the Lord first and not men. But as you have called us to love one another and serve each other, may we do that as we have those opportunities. Help us to build one another up according to your word, helping to sanctify each other and be obedient to your word before we ever consider what it is the world says or defines by those uh, certain terms or structures or things of that nature. We want to be people that honor Christ in all that we say and do in every area of our lives. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're just sitting directly on the pillow? Yes. Not like in the small of your back? No. Because when it's in the small of my back, this bar hits. Oh. Yeah, that's true. Awkward part of my thighs. The bottom of the seat isn't terribly plush. No, it's not. And it's a very uncomfortable chair. You (laughs) took my cozy chair because your cozy chair squeaked. It didn't squeak. It went... Yeah, that too. (laughs) Sounded like it was hawking a loogie every time you sat back. And since I'm only down here for an hour, a little bit more, I take the uncomfortable chair. (laughs) Thank you, because that's the one I gave to you. (laughs) (laughs) Patriarchy. Yeah, let's go with that. (laughs) Oh.